In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 251. That's right, fresh off the heels of our big final night, episode 250, Spectacular. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are talking about the May books. That's right, the Green Lantern books coming that came out in the month of May. We are talking the penultimate issue of Edge of Oblivion, that is Green Lantern Core Edge of Oblivion number five. The final issue of Venditti's run on um, Green Lantern. In the New 52, uh, anyway. <laughs> the, the New 52 Green Lantern, true. Uh, that would be Green Lantern number 52. And the final issue of Cullen Bunn on Sinestro, which is Sinestro number 23. All right, no preamble, guys. We're going to get right into it. First up, we are talking about Edge of Oblivion, number five. I'm taking this one. Our creative team for this time out, obviously we have Tom Taylor as our writer, layouts by Scott McDaniel, pencils by Artie and Syoff and Cliff Richards, inks by Jonathan Glapian, Mark Irwin, and Richards, colors by Blonde, letters by Dave Sharp, cover by Ethan Van Skyver and Jason Wright, assistant editor Andrew Marino, editor Mike Cotton, and group editor <sighs> Eddie Berganza. Living on borrowed time, Eddie Burgos. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, we're not going to address poli- DC politics here on the show yet. <laughs> uh, don't worry, guys. <laughs> I think that story speaks for itself. Uh, <clears throat> so, we open up with Edge of Oblivion in the past. Guy Gardner is taking a beating from his father. Little Guy Gardner is taking a beating from his father. He tells him to stay down, and Guy says, why? You getting tired, old man? Seriously, Dad, if beating up kids is tiring you out, you really should think about doing more cardio. Which pisses him off more. Later, his mother is cleaning him up. You know, don't antagonize him. Why do you do that? Because if I piss him off, he takes it out on me, not you. He says, it's okay. One day he'll be gone. Then we'll all be safe. Cut back to the present. And Guy is being woken up by his team. He has now snapped out of it and asked for his ring back because it's where he keeps his pants and his dignity. Uh, Guy recaps the events that he attacked um, his fellow lanterns and warned monsters that they were coming and then put their friends between us and the monsters. Simon tries to talk him down and say, don't worry about it, it wasn't you. And Kilowog cuts Simon off by saying, no, he goes from ashamed to angry in about 10 seconds. Let it happen. 
Guy says I was used by world eaters. Kilowog says yes. I'm going to go tear their teeth out. <laughs> and Kilowog's like, there he is. <laughs> um, then we... Uh, then we cut uh, over to uh, the crew, uh, now just flying off into space, with a plan to go attack the uh, uh, Asuras and Dismas and John Stewart and the other Lanterns who are under their sway. Um, and <clears throat> uh, God, what is her name? God, I keep forgetting this stupid empath. Zrill. Zrill. Okay. Says she can convince a sixth lantern to join them. They fly off. We cut over to the last city where we see Osiris and Dismas being confronted by John, saying that you guys need to get to safety in the Citadel. Uh, we will take them on, uh, you know, particularly because one of them is Kilowog and he trained all of us, so he knows our weaknesses. You know, with Kilowog leading them, we're already half beaten. She says, You're a good man, you'll protect us. He says, I will protect you as they go into the Citadel. Bunch of other lanterns show up to help John defend the Citadel and Asuras and Dismas. When a green streak comes flying towards them, turns out it's Guy. Guy pretends that he that nothing has happened, and he is just ahead of Kilowog, Baz, Two Six, Rill, uh, and he needs to go talk to Asuras and Dismas. So he flies into the Citadel. John lets him by. Asuras says. You have returned, the little warrior. He says, I have, but I know what you are. She says, what? He says, I know why you're here, Blackest Knights, and then explodes the entire damn citadel with his ring. John and crew rush to defend it. That's when 2-6 Baz and uh, Kilowog jump into action to fight off the other lanterns. Guy flies out and up with Asuras and Dismas on his tail, and he goes off the planet and into space. The uh, guy and uh, Stell and uh, Salak have got Kilowog, 2-6, and Baz all tangled up. That's when the Calvary, I mean, Melinda May, I mean, uh, Ilande, <laughs> shows up and says, that's a bit of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. shout out for you guys. You're <laughs> welcome. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, all of our listeners watch that show. Uh, <clears throat> Ilande and the crew show up, finally arriving to the last city and uh, joining up with the Green Lantern Corps. She says, basically, every cal everybody calm down for a second so we can figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, Asuras and Dismas off-planet are fighting off Guy. He says, uh, they say, what did you hope to achieve? Do you really think you could hurt us? He says, of course not. I'm just doing what I'm good at, pissing you off so you'd take, take it out on me and not notice. What? He says, Zrill. And she communicates to me, the ring, I'm here. They're clear of the city. Do we have our sixth lantern? She says, we have him. Do it. And now Mogo has been freed. And Mogo fires at Asuras and Dismas, knocking their cloaking off, right as Jon Stewart and company fall, uh, come up on uh, Guy and the, and the group. And we see their true forms, the Blackest Knight's true forms revealed as... Uh, gray monster space testicles. Uh, and <laughs> he says, all right, there's no reason to hide any longer. Let us feast on the remains of this universe before the next one begins. And Guy says, I know, right? I can't, can you believe I wanted to bake for that? And next, the end of the universe. And it can't <laughs> happen too s soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, space testicles. 
the big line was good because of course it 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 bookends the the line earlier when the guy gets his senses back and he goes it's like I I really it's like I really liked him. It's like I, I don't really know how to bake, but but I but I would have learned how to bake just for them. <laughs> and, and that's that's what he means at the end when it's like, oh, see, yeah, you you see, I would have that's I would have baked for that. Uh. Now, <clears throat> we all know that Mark and I both really like the Sinestro series, and Cullen is writing that. And Cullen, though, was also responsible for the Lost Army thing, which I was critical of mostly for the flashbacks. Cullen, this is how you do a flashback. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired, but I agree. When I, from the point of view that I agree overall, and I did think of you when I was reading that because I figured you were going to – that was something we were both going to comment on. That Yeah, this, this was an effective use of a flashback because it, it really – it was a particular plot point, a particular action that that when it, so when you see it happening later on, you kind of even without before a guy tells you why he's doing it, you kind of have an idea why he's doing it. So, yeah, it, it 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 not only ties into his past, it also really clues you in on how deeply he feels about the core. I mean, they are his family. Yes. So that's that's really that's a good characterization beat too. What did you think otherwise? I actually thought it was one of the better issues of the series. Um, I didn't like the alternate artist. What was his name? Oh, uh, hold on. I know it was Artie and Saya. Mitchell. The main art. Who? Mitchell, right? Scott Mitchell? No, no, no. You're right. Cliff Richards. Cliff, Cliff Richards, Richards and, and yeah. Artie and Saya for the pencils. I was reading layout. Yeah. Uh, don't like that other guy. I mean, it's clear he didn't do very many pages. But I'm not really a fan of the pages he did. At least maybe let's let's let me backtrack that. I'm not really a fan of the pages he did juxtaposed against Artie and Psyops work. I I would agree with that. Yeah. It was of course it's real convenient the other lanterns are showing up now when they pretty much have to get out of Dodge by the end of the next issue. Basically, yes. Uh and here's one thing that it struck me when because it struck I think it struck me before but with Ayalande showing up it struck me more struck me more and I, and to be fair you have, you have to go back to Lost Army I think and look at this too. Has anybody even mentioned like where the hell Sora is? I don't think so, right? I don't think anybody has <clears throat> asked about Sora in either one of these two series and you would think being a prominent lantern and maybe they'll maybe Ayalande will mention something in the last issue and they'll and they'll kind of skirt through. Because yeah. she was a sector partner after all, but yeah. other than that, it's kind of struck me as odd that nobody's even mentioned her and her absence, or because you would think she would be one of the inner circle of lanterns, so you would kind of be a little more concerned about her than some, than cannon fodder, you know. So, uh, that... yeah, I mean, on, on the one hand, though, on that, I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. We are in in a situation with 7,200 lanterns. Uh, in an unknown universe, and all of them got scattered throughout, and nobody's even asked about the Guardians. <laughs> so, I mean, like, so it, when we're talking the end of the universe, and we, we you know, we got to get from, we got to figure out how That's to true. survive the death, the heat death of the entire universe that we're currently in, I doubt a head count is what they're thinking of. You know, because they're they they are on a timetable. They say six days or whatever at one point. Uh, I mean, not in this issue, but yeah, two days uh, so in this th issue. 
yeah, two days in this issue, they're on a timetable for the end of the universe. So, I mean, it's kind of prioritized. Do we save the ones that we have here or do we waste potentially waste time trying to find others that, um, that, uh, that we may not be able to find and thus end up, <laughs> you know, causing our own deaths, uh, our own feudal deaths at, at the end of the whole thing. Plus, it's not like they haven't tried to find the other lanterns because they did tell Mogo shine as brightly as you can. That is true. And that could, and that could be, and, and you probably, probably would expect there to be more showing up right at the end since this, this has to at least issue six has to at least segue into how they're going to come back. The, yeah. the, the, the process of them coming back, even if they don't actually reappear until sometime during like the first issue or two of how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, if you read the solicits, they're still not back. Yeah, and I had read. I had read even before. Even before uh, they did the solicits, I think Robert or someone kind of implied in a, talking that uh, they were not. Go, it's not. Wasn't going to be instantaneous. And one of those. And one of the later solicits, I forget which issue number it is. Whether it's. They do mention that. They do mention the core being back and, and something about Guy pretty, Guy pretty much being determined to make sure the Green Lanterns take their place in the universe again, uh, the, their proper place. And then I read something today. I don't know if you saw the tweet by Ethan about how the Sinestro Corps is being written so evil, but, but, but the script that he's getting from Robert that basically the, what he's having to draw, like the Sinestro Corps is being written so evil, it's like it's, you know... It, which again kind of gives me mixed feelings because unless unless they're gonna unless this whole thing obviously Sora w- wouldn't know about it but unless Sinestro's whole plan was kind of like some kind of Thunderbolt scheme yeah. where they um, I, I don't know it's kind of like a weird thing to have them through all this time have them try to rise above that and then just turn out they're gonna be evil again completely I mean raw I mean evil evil again I'm, I think I w- I think I'm gonna have a problem with that and I think. It, would, it could make for an interesting story because you would certainly have some members, and Arkillo could very well be one of them, that has kind of embraced the role that they were supposed to be now having and is reluctant to go back to the way it was. But. Well, and, and again, devil's advocate, maybe I'm just writing the upcoming high of anticipation for things being reset in the universe to something more positive and more fun. <clears throat> but again, playing devil's advocate, <clears throat> maybe the whole stuff with Sinestro being is the Sinestro core being evil. The way Cullen writes him, we see that Sinestro, when it comes to his own core and his people, he's toned down a bit. Like he, but that's because he's in his element with his people. When we spend the entirety of the Sinestro uh, title trying to regain with, with Sinestro, trying to gain control of the universe, which we can say it's only been happening for 23 issues, but the reality of it is this is this has been Sinestro's goal basically since he left the Green Lantern Corps. I mean, he has always thought that the way the Guardians did things was wrong and that he could do it better. It's just just now that he's actually finally wrested that control from the Green Lantern Corps, and that's purely because they're gone. And now that they're back... This is literally everything Sinestro has ever talked about and dreamed of. I would, I would be, oh, rel, depending on how they, play, how, how Venditti plays it, 
I would be relatively okay with an evil, pissed-off Sinestro in his title, given that situation. Does that make sense? It makes sense, and I and I would I mean, don't get me wrong. I would not have a big issue if Sinestro starts, you know, kind of going more evil again. I I would have I would have an issue again. Just just again going by the quote that that, that you know Ethan put out there. It's I think he he didn't say Sinestro. He said the Sinestro core. So depending okay, on, okay. So depend, I didn't see it. So yeah. So depending on depending on who, I'll I'll try to paste it to you when we have it down. Uh, moment that uh, I think that is what concerns me more because of their role in the universe. Sinestro himself, I mean, we, I mean, we know all, we know now. Sinestro has an agenda that you know yeah. that that everybody else is not other than uh, Lysa. Nobody else really no, really knows about. So that wouldn't that wouldn't be a su- surprise. And as, and once you recap, you know, twenty three, we kind of have an idea how that could happen. Also, and, and also, yeah, how he could be unstable. Yeah, and going back yeah. into some of the solicits and the artwork we've seen going you know going forward is yeah. into the. The relaunch and rebirth, but it just concerns me a little that the that they've done a good job at establishing the, the Sinestro Corps as a potential force for good. That if they're going to completely piss it away really quickly, without you know without a real explanation, and again maybe it was cryptic or maybe he, you know Ethan's just kind of stirring the pot a little. But if that's really the way it is, I I don't know. I think that's I don't know how thrilled I would be with that at the immediately. Uh, unless again, unless it's we get a real good explanation for it. Yeah. So, but that's just. <clears throat> so, what did you think of the issue? I know. I mean, we. I say I know. We all know that you uh, aren't really a big fan of this stuff, particularly because it's not tying anything to uh, Lost Army. But what did you think uh, overall? It seems like you're enjoying it a little bit more. I did enjoy this issue. I do think. I think I think at the end of the day, I think what it's going to be is I think we're going to look back at this and it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good Green Lantern core story, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to be very memorable. I think it's going to be one of those things, where, you know, that we're kind of going to forget, that we're that we're kind of going to that we're kind of going to forget relatively quickly, and. And I think again, we'll talk about this more probably when issue six comes out, unless something's really surprising happens in issue six. This is a this is a series that seemingly was set, up, and it's not Taylor's fault at all. This is DC's fault that this was a series that was almost destined to fail because they did not sync it at all with the six issues that came before it. Yeah. And I don't see I don't see how on any level, no matter how little how effective a story it is. And, you know, and, and begin in a complete story through issues one through six. I don't see how it can be a success when you when you don't even touch on any of the elements of Lost Army. And there were a lot of interesting elements on Lost Army that were introduced. Yeah. And picked up on. I mean, it's not like it's not like Cullen created all all these things. You know, they pretty much they were existing characters or ideas that we've seen before. You know, the Lightsmiths of Relics Universe. Um, but the idea of, of the being able to how the power pyramids were able to change color depending on basically what what core what color was near it how it was able to transmute and change and how the lanterns all were changing colors at the end I mean there were a lot of in, there were and of course what was Krona's role why was he there what did he do how much role did he have in making relic the asshole he became and things like that was it more was it really the lanterns yanking relics 
you know, leg pulling his arm on this, or was it more, more because of the way Krona kind of like, you know, dumped all that information on him and kind of twisted it that made Relic have it have a special, you know, special little ant hatred more for lanterns than he had before. So uh, I think it's, I just think it was destined to to fail f- on that level. So we'll, so we'll have to see, but. It got better. This was this was an enjoyable issue. Uh, I still don't list. This was kind of back to being a partial guy centric issue. Certainly better than the issue before it. I don't. I still think they've kind of steered away from it as we're getting to the end of making it's become less guy centric as when it started. And I don't know. I kind of like. I think guy's been good in this series, and I think it, I think they should have stayed with guy as the absolute you know focal point. So we'll see, uh, but I do like it better than, and I think, I think we'll get a satisfying ending, which of course we didn't really get the Lost Army, which of course was not. Once again, that was DC's fault. <laughs> when you pull the rug out from somebody, somebody, and say, "Hey, guess you got to wrap it up in issue six. Probably when they told them, like around issue four, probably at the, at the latest. That's kind of a problem. So, yeah. All right. Anything else about this issue? No, I think we're good. All right, on to the final issue of Green Lantern from the New 52. And this should be relatively short and sweet. Uh, well. Okay, it'll be short. short. You're right. You, <laughs> you were correct. You got me on that one. I, I, I'm being a little optimistic. Though the the cover with Hal with the gauntlet on it was pretty sweet. Yeah, that is – that 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 yeah, I'll, I'll concede that. That is, a, that is really good art because, of course, that's not the Billy Tan work. Which of course, yes, Billy Tan returns for the final issue. Unfortunately, even though I will give and him the variant a... cover is great too. Yeah, but again, it's it's pretty much like I hate to say it, but to me, it's it's more or less knocking off somebody else's cover, which was a good cover to start with. So that's probably why it works. Yeah. Uh, but giving Billy Tan his due, that there are some pages in here that Hal doesn't looks a little better than some of his previous issues. Uh, it's all relative, of course, but. All right, so issue 52 of Green Lantern, or uh, Agents of Grey is the story title. Robert Venditti, the author, B- Billy Tan returns as the penciler. Mark Irwin and Livesay are the color- anchors, excuse me. Alex Sinclair remains the colorist. Sharp, again, Dave remains the letterer. Uh, Howard Porter and Hi-Fi did, one- did the main cover, which is the one I was t- talking about. Billy Tan and Sinclair did the variant cover, which is basically just a kind of a redoing of the original cover for Green Lantern 1, which had Sinestro as a Green Lantern on the cover, except the variant, and now is Sinestro as a as Sinestro Corps. Sinestro again. Um, assistant editor, Eddie, an, excuse me, Andrew Marino and Eddie Berganza remains the group editor. So we pick up where we left off uh, last issue when the Grey Agents showed up. Or they, had, they had arrived but on Darlene, and they had captured pretty much uh, Trapper and Virgo trying to find Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan did show up to rescue them at the end. And that's where we pick up. You know, Hal Jordan pretty much, he goes, hey, I'm Hal Jordan. I'm pretty much who the hell are you? You know, he's like, we're the gray agents, the law, and you're under arrest. And we kind of get a rundown, which I I do like the way they introduce all the uh, the team members for the first time. They kind of give their names, which is, I think, pretty effective. Working under the logical assumption that most people, other than maybe a rank, a ranks over there, most people aren't going to remember any of their names from last issue. <laughs> Uh, Hal, Hal and uh, Marshall ranks there kind of stood Kevin back and forth Virgo 
you know, he tries to tries to warn him about what you know what the gray agents can do. Uh, the gray agents begin to attack Hal. Hal, I like I like the playing play kind of like a play in the old school with his with the big green fist. It's like like a almost like a the, the green gauntlet fist to a certain extent. Uh, as he tries to attack the gray agents, they they all of a sudden they disappear. He realizes at that moment he realizes they have phasing suits. Then two pounder, which is almost like the kilowatt kind of of this group, kind of like smashes Hal Jordan from behind, knocking him down. Uh, they start shooting. Other gray agents start shooting at Hal. It creates a, a barrier with his uh, with his gauntlet. Speechmaker, which is the frog-looking guy, but the but the monitor stuck in the back of his head, sneaks up on Hal Jordan. He puts his little, little like ten, suction cup fingers on his head, and he starts pulling out memories of Hal Jordan. Uh, you know, he sees Jim and his family. He uh, sees Carol. You know, Star Sapphire, which kind of throws off uh, ranks for a second. Is like, hmm, that's co- that's kind of interesting. And they continue to play in Hal's mind. He that gets Hal really, really pissed off, and he's able to muster enough will to escape. Uh, Hal yells to Trapper that it's time to go, and he uses you know, the gauntlet to basically cut their restraints. That they're uh, first, of course, cutting Trapper's restraint that's keeping him locked on, on down on that slab that he was being held by the Gray Agents. Was that Pounder again? Yeah, two pound, uh, two Pounder over there goes running at, running at Hal. Goes stay down, tiny human. Hal pretty much goes, that's not how I do business. And he throws his energy gauntlet fist at Two Pounder, who continues to hold, basically to hold the energy in his hand and shaking and everything else. And Hal kind of goes, "You ever shake a beer and pop the top?" Which, of course, assuming this guy knows what a beer is. <laughs> and I like the way I like the way uh, Trapper yells, "Don't pop the top!" <laughs> and he goes, "It looks like this." And of course, Hal just pours, just kind of like unleashes the green energy, which kind of like shatters the uh, the wristband on. Uh, two pounders glove is real. It's kind of like damages his 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 gauntlet, if you will, not Hal's. At that moment, Hal starts kind of going translucent again, going ion-like, because he real and he realizes it's happening again. Uh, Hal pretty much is talking talking to the gray agents, telling them to stop. While Virgo is kind of like Hal, Hal trying to reach him because he knows something's wrong. I kind of think I kind of thought this was kind of interesting, just the, just the language that Hal uses when he's talking to the gray agents about how, as he's kind of like hurting them and taking them out one by one. He's like, "I don't want to do this. You, you know, you're making me do this." So he, to me, that was a very parallax-like thing to say, because uh, certainly Hal has said that as parallax before when he was fighting fighting friends, though, about like, "I don't want to do this. Why, why are you making me do this?" Uh, trap. Uh, ver- Virgo yells to Hal to resist it, and actually he he takes out while he's doing that. He, uh, Virgo kind of takes out Marshall Ranks, and you know he tries to reach Hal's like become, become Hal, and and Hal's like Hal Hal Jordan. I I'm Hal Jordan, and he's able to kind of like recorporate himself, a corporate uh, his form. Uh, you know Virgo doesn't know what's really going on here. And before Hal can explain, you know, Ranks is back up putting a gun to Virgo's head, and you know he's pretty much saying, "Why don't you take 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 off the glove, Jordan? Come with us. You know, you know it'd be easier that way." And at this point, we kind of get a a little twist. 
more of a twist for Virgo and Trapper than really for for the Grey Agents because they really don't seem to give a crap. But Hal kind of admits at this point that the whole turning rogue thing was a complete act, that it was basically to try to make uh, – to reestablish the, the Green Lantern Corps' trust in the universe. And, of course, it doesn't really <laughs> – it kind of just sucked for Hal that pretty much all the Green Lanterns were sucked out, so this plan really had, really had no point. Uh, Marsh, the marshal over there says he doesn't really care. You know, the universe thinks you're a criminal, and that's pretty much the only – that's the only truth that I need. Now Hal plays a little mind game with him going, well, you know, I'm sure there's a tiny voice, you know, at the back of your brain, you know, kind of, <laughs> your even tinier brain. He says, you know, pay attention to it because if it's possible I really did give up my ring and turn my back on the core that I loved, then do you think I'll, I would stand here and let you threaten the universe I did it all for? And he pretty much creates a green energy gun construct and he gives it to Trapper and he says, Trapper, you know what to do with this. So Trapper aims the gun at Seemingly, either at seemingly at ranks, but uh, as it turns out, he kind of it kind of pulled like a, another 48 hours kind of move on this. And uh, basically, when when Hal gives the word, Trapper pretty much shoots. He shoots through Virgo to shoot the gray agent that that was behind him. And of course, now the gray agent that was hurt, he's not dead, but he's but he's ble but he's bleeding pretty profusely. Uh, so. I don't know if it was the carotid artery or not, but he hit but he hit him on the side of the neck. He's he's bleeding out pretty much, and pretty much now the gray agents have a choice. They can go try to you know take care of their take take care of their wounded or go after us. You can't do both. So the gray agents pretty much leave at this point. They they, they lick their wounds. Take they take all the wounded, and you know Marshal Ranks goes keep a step ahead, Jordan. I don't want anyone executing you before I do. Now where is this? Is this like a spaceport or something they're in at the end? Basically. Yeah, that's the way I took it. So basically, at the you, at the end of the issue, you have Hal, Trapper, and Virgo at a spaceport, and Virgo kind of like asks, you know, is, is what you said really true, Hal? Did you really pretty much just pretend make yourself to be a villain on purpose, you know, you know, as a ruse? And he said, Yeah, it's true. I tried. <laughs> it could have worked if everybody didn't disappear. And Trapper is kind of funny, like it's like I don't know what's worse, a crook pretending to be a cop. Or the other way around. Who can a scoundrel trust anymore? Hal pretty much tells both Virgo and Trapper to go their separate ways after he takes off the little, like, the bomb bomb gauntlet that was attached to uh, Trapper's wrist. You know, he goes, uh, Virgo's trying to appeal to him, like, why, you know, why, Hal, we're friends? And Trapper's like, we? It's like, I know, Virgo, we are. And that's, and that's why we have to separate, because everybody who's going to be looking for me is going to come after you guys. So it's much better off that you pretty much, you know, go your separate ways. You know, what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm pretty much, uh, he's going to basically, Cal's going to go try to seek help to try to figure out what he's becoming. Uh, and if he can't, you know, but, you know, pretty much he's just going to, you know, he'll just take, he'll pretty much just deal with whatever has to, whatever's going to come, Hal's going to deal with it. Deal with it. And he goes, I have a new mission now. Let's see where it takes me. And he, be and he becomes, again, trans transparent, translucent, ion-like again. And Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps, Rebirth, number one, next. Mm. And there you go. Well, as long as we never see Trapper, Virgo, or Darlene ever again, and uh, the gauntlet goes away. <laughs> 
Well, I think, I think it's safe to say the gauntlet is going to go away it, uh, and probably going to go away pretty quickly, though, That and that probably, again, is going to pl- factor into how he p- kind of becomes the one-man Green Lantern Corps. Hopefully yeah. we'll get the explanation for what the hell's going on with his power set. Uh I don't. I wouldn't mind seeing Trapper or Virgo down the road. I don't want to see Darlene. I don't want to see the Gray Agents either. And we know we come. We know we will. It's just not going to be something that's going to be dealt with down the road. It's not overly interesting to me, but it's kind of curious to see if this, if Rebirth hadn't come along, whether this storyline was going to be as compact as it was, or how soon again we'd see the Gray Agents. You know in, like, uh, war movies or whatever, when some lovable idiot screws up and uh, somebody else dies trying to protect him or some other crap, and towards the end of the movie you you still like that character, but he's got a lot of guilt on his conscience, and the person or individuals who saved him look at him and say something to the effect of, like, earn this. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Venditti, earn this. Because uh, let's 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 be honest, guys. Like we we've talked about the sales of Green Lantern. Oh, speaking and, of, and not to interrupt you much, but Green Lantern was, I think the Green Lantern was down. The last issue, I, I don't think it was this issue because the, the sales haven't come out yet. But the last issue was uh, down to fifty-seven. Yeah. So Green Lantern sales have been dropping. It's not really getting that much critical attention. Uh, uh, I mean, other than us, really, <laughs> just people who review this stuff on the regular. Um, yeah, you you've got a few articles about how becoming, uh, you know, a Parallax being back in the title and stuff like that, but there was nothing ever really done with that. I hard, I find it really hard to believe that those issues would grab anybody and make them go, oh yeah, I'm gonna keep reading this after this storyline's done. Um, so which which you know. I feel like we've been, like, harsh on Venditti. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but maybe we sound harsher than we intend to be. I don't I don't know, but it, maybe just me personally. I don't know. Regardless. I, I think I would take the heat for that lately more than you would over the last, like, four yeah, months. <laughs> true. Well, here's, here's the deal. Jeff Johns is coming in to fix your shit. And I mean everybody's shit. Uh, the entire DC universe. Now, the title that Jeff Johns is co-writing is not the Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. He's co-writing the Sam Humphreys Green Lanterns one-shot. Yep. So that's one thing. But at the same time, by sort of fixing the universe and Rebirth, which, you know, we'll talk about at some point... <clears throat> By fixing the universe, Jeff Johns is putting things back in a certain way for every character. So now you have we, – we've been saying, you know, this is this is it. Venditti will now have the reins. And by having the Green Lantern's title focus on Cruz and Baz on Earth slash 2814 and Hal and the Green Lantern Corps being – all of the other space stuff and the two books really being relatively separated, Venditti has essentially carte blanche to do whatever he wants in his title. After this reset that Jeff Johns himself has helped do. When Venditti was announced that he was when it was announced that he was staying on the title, 
none of us were really that happy about it. Uh, I mean, it's not like we were pissed, but it's... It, it, we, were surpri- like we, we were surprised. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, him giving the full... He, him being given the keys to the castle, the full reign uh, of, of this title that he's being put on. Him being allowed to stay on the title despite the sales and blah, 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 blah. Him having the backing, supposedly, of Ethan Van Skyver himself. It, it doesn't seem like Ethan is... Maybe Ethan is just, you know, starstruck by the idea of being back on a Lantern title and just happy to be doing it and doesn't really care about the quality of the story, which I find doubtful (laughs) because of how much he loves it. Um, But all of this, I'm not – it sounds really harsh to say you don't deserve it, (laughs) but at the same time, I also want to say earn this. If you're going to have your universe, your character, your world reset slightly to something more meaningful, like a DC universe that people care about instead of all the crap that happened post-Flashpoint, and maybe a little before Flashpoint, let's be honest, guys, Flashpoint and the New 52 didn't ruin the DC universe. It just made it slightly worse than it already was. It was going downhill before then. (laughs) But now that we're supposedly back, you you gotta you gotta give me something, like I can't you can't be ending a storyline like this and me going. Well, I only really care about where Hal's going. Uh, I don't care about Virgo. I don't care about Trapper. I don't care about the villains that you've been vi- building up for the past fifteen issues in the background and how that has finally come to a head. And I still don't care about them, even though they've now become the ma- the central villains of the title. Like. I, I realize it's just it's you know that's that's my personal opinion, but seriously, that is not what you want out of a title for a bunch of people to just go, eh, I don't care about eighty five percent of what's happening in here. <laughs> so, like you like you said, you're curious about what ha- what happens with Hal's power, and you wouldn't mind seeing Virgo or Trapper, but it's not like you're gonna throw a hissy fit if you never see him again. <laughs> Well, I see. I part <laughs> maybe part of the reason why I'm I'm not so, so close to seeing them is because I don't anticipate this being anywhere on the on the, on the front front or back burner for like at least like the first twelve issues plus of this of this series because like because for this reason like you kind of mentioned maybe maybe Robert's hands were, like we've talked about this before maybe Robert's hands were a little tied because of the Sinestro book and because of what and obviously if if that was the case and DC obviously was happy with that direction or that plan because because they wouldn't have gone along with it I mean they wouldn't have logic logic would dictate you're not going to sacrifice the Green Lantern book to try to prop up Sinestro book when at the end of the day you know the Sinestro book no matter how great it was and it was really really good you know that it was never going to survive long term it was almost impossible for it to to, to, I mean, you could have called lightning in a bottle, maybe. And again, if this was back six, four or five years ago, now, if Johns was writing it, then it would probably have a chance to 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 be like a top, you know, top twenty book, top twenty five book. Right. But that's not the case. So obviously, they must have approved with the direction. So maybe Robert's hands were tied in this, and and that kind of limited the stories he could tell. But as you as you said, and we've talked about before, leading up to the end of this, the new fifty two. Now that that is no longer the case. Now he has all the stuff that he's been building in, in the solo Green Lantern book, 
He's going to have the Green Lantern Corps back to play with and not going to have to worry about them uh, being split up like in, in basically one 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 big 12-issue miniseries that doesn't really blend in, that doesn't really mesh, you know, at the end of the day. it's the, And you don't have to worry about kind of like splitting, you know, splitting the, the duties with Van Jensen and because that's his main book. You have the core... You have Hal Jordan, and you also have the benefit of everything Cullen has built in the Sinestro. You have all these things, you know, to 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 deal to deal with and to build on. You have all these different elements to use. So yeah, the the, the chessboard is set. Yes, yeah, so you have to make good use of these of these pieces, and we're I think and we're we're gonna know we're gonna know relative relatively soon. I think I would I would be I would be stunned if the book. If the book isn't really, if we don't think the book is really, really good, like in the first like two to two to three months, which is it will be six issues, uh-huh. then I don't have a whole lot of faith that it's going to get better. And and the and the more important th- more important than you or I, most green most people reading the book aren't going to have faith it's going to get better. Yeah. Because, because like you mentioned, all, everybody was. Not everybody might have been like pulling their hair out that Robert and that stayed on this book, but I think almost everybody was surprised that he that that, that was talking about rebirth, they're talking about doing something different, going back, and yet they kept the same writer. Yeah, well, they got yeah, re- and and I, I don't mean to interrupt you, okay. guys. We're we're not we're not ignorant. Like I I spend a lot more time on Twitter than Mark does, but I've seen it on Twitter. I follow the hashtag Green Lantern. There are a good number of you out there who are enjoying Venditti on this book. We're not ignorant to it. What we're saying is a large majority, uh, or at least the vocal majority, of people who are big Green Lantern fans do not like it or are tolerating it. Especially. <laughs> you know, are, just, are just sort of buying it to complete their collections and – not hating it, but not loving it any way or anywhere near close to the way they used to. And and especially when you especially especially when you weed out the percentage of Lantern fans that for whatever reason just hate Jeff Johns. I mean they're gonna they they would those people would like any you know would like like twenty one blank pages a month versus anything Jeff Johns would do because there are some people out there that. It doesn't make sense to me, but they just hated Jeff Johns and what he did to the to the book, and those are people that are automatically gonna, you know, oh, at least it's not Johns back in the book. Now that to me is the overwhelming minority. I think most people would take, given in a perfect world, would take Johns back in a heartbeat. Hmm. Uh, but the, the, so yeah, I mean, and and we've said this before. There have been some. There were have been. If you look at Robert Venditti's run up to this point, there have been some good issues. Mm. I am hard pressed to honestly say there have been that many good storylines, multi-issue storylines. Maybe lights out, maybe lights out of, as as a whole. Yeah. But there have been when, good moments. Yes, there's good there's good moments. There's good moments even in so-so issues. There's good moments even in in so-so arcs. There tends to be a good issue, but it's hard to but there's not not that many ongoing. Arcs, multi-issue arcs. You can really say that, yeah, that was a really, really, really good arc, and yeah. it was worth three issues or five issues or six. So I think that's that's part that's part of the issue. And but now, but again, you know, we we've said it before, and, and this, probably this will be the last time we'll say it because because 
this is all speculation and and anticipation and nervousness and everything else skepticism everything all rolled into one before we actually get our hands on uh, the re the rebirth titles for Green Lantern but it's just you, you look at it and it's and it's just you just you just are worried you just just you haven't seen you haven't seen enough to make you feel 100% confident in where it's going and then like i said the 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 the, 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 the little quotes that i that i showed chad that i mentioned about ethan it's like that could still work out in a good storyline so i don't want to make it sound like oh just that, that one little thing just oh my god that just really makes me 100% nervous but it oh, but it depends on the context i you have to you have to tell me now why this how the Sinestro Corps is so is so vile and so cruel, and in what in relation to what? Because, and when we get to talk to Cullen, then we can find out, hopefully, like you know, where he saw this going. You know, whether 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 he kind of saw it as a thunderbolt kind of play, maybe, or whether there really was gonna, in his mind's eye, this was really you know going to be. Obviously, it was never going to last indefinitely because the Green Lantern Corps has to come back at least. As a co a co inhabitor and a co police force, but if, whether he really thought you know the Sinestro Corps' uh, role was, was really was essentially sincere as far as they knew it, other than maybe Sinestro's motives. Right. But uh, so we're gonna we're gonna see. There are certainly there's gonna be a and I certainly and it, oh this is where I lost my train slightly. It makes me nervous that everything that was built really really well in Sinestro. There's a chance it could kind of like just be kind of torn apart and not in a good way. Yeah. And that makes me that that's why that quote makes me really nervous because I kind of I like where the Sinestro Corps is going. I it would kind of it would suck to build them up this high and then like in two issues bring them down really really back down to you know to like they were in the Sinestro Corps war. And that's especially since we're not we're told we're not getting a Sinestro Corps war too. It makes you wonder what that. It intrigues me what it's related to, but it does make make it does make me nervous. But I guess we're gonna find out in a month in a month or so. Yeah. All right. Anything else about uh, fifty two Green Lantern fifty two? No, I think it was kind of what we expected it to be. In all honesty, right? Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it it is what it is. All right, guys. The time has arrived. The final issue of Cullen Bunn's Sinestro, number 23. Title logo says, Fear Their Might. Woohoo! Our creative team for this issue. Let me go to the. And the, uh, the interior uh, uh, title is Reconstruction, by the way. The writer is Cullen Bunn, penciler is Martin Concolo. Oscar Bazulda, Bazola, Scott Eaton, inks by Cocolo and Wayne Faucher, colors by Blonde, letters by Dave Sharp, cover by Cocolo and Jason Wright, assistant editor Andrew Marino, editor Mike Cotton, and group editor Eddie Berganza. Okay, so we open up... We open up with uh, a big storm happening in the on New Korgar. Um, 
some of uh, uh, Sinestro and Lysa are being protected uh, on their little hill overlooking them from the storm as they watch uh, down on the Corridorians scurrying for cover while uh, Sora is in the tent in one of the tents with the leader of the new Corridorians who I just always forget her name anyways. I think they, I think they, I thought they mentioned her name in here. Uh, maybe it's not on this page, but yeah, we always, we always, we always tend to forget her name. Don't worry about it for now. Yeah, uh, she's talking about Sora's talking about how she should be out there, uh, for, you know, have, you know, having and she should have had the lanterns raise shields around the encampment and, you know, blah blah blah. I shouldn't be basically here in these in this tent. She says, you know, you you got to stop second guessing yourself. You know, you got to trust yourself. You know, uh, the and you also trust the core guardians will learn to fend for themselves even if you are not here to protect them. And she says, I have no intention of leaving these people, of leaving you. And yet you know that, and in, in the leader says, and then yet you know that one day you must. You lead the greatest police force in the universe. Like it or not, New Corridor is only a small portion of your domain. Your attention will undoubtedly be drawn elsewhere. You cannot watch over all of space. Ah. So we cut across the sector to see the Red Lanterns on approach. Uh, Red uh, Red Lantern Trevius now uh, says they'll be uh, get uh, reaching New Corridor shortly. He says you should release some of the mindless berserkers on Sinestro. Uh, and she says, do I detect a mocking tone? The berserkers, as you call, are truest warriors. He says, well, it looks like we'll have a chance to prove themselves as the Red Lantern Corps comes across Sora and some Yellow Lanterns, a good squadron of them. Um, the A team. Yeah, there you go. Uh, now I have to use that music. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm a <beautiful. laughs> So, uh, the Red Lanterns, you know, kind of, or Blees rather, says, You've declared on, uh, war on us. You sent your assassins to destroy us. You, she says, Well, that wasn't me. That was the other <laughs> leader of the. That was the uh, other guy. <laughs> yeah, it was the former guy in charge of the Yellow Lantern Corps. Um, and and she says, you know, do if you want vengeance against the Yellow Lanterns, fine, but do it somewhere else. Uh, she says, I know what you're planning. I'm not going to let it happen. Just like I know how this fight, if you let it happen, is going to play out. That's the benefit of having a fortune teller on your team. And that's when Trevius goes, that smirk. She really is Sinestro's daughter. Uh, and that's when the Rage Mother says, attack. Uh, then there's a big, but brief, battle in space. As uh, the Red Lanterns and the Yellow Lanterns clash, uh-huh. uh, the the fight distracts the Red Lanterns as the Martian, uh, not the Martians, <laughs> as the Manhunters uh, show up and steal the uh, attack the Rage Mother and take the weapon that she is guarding, uh, the Terraformer, as it is called. Uh, the Sinestro uh, Corps Manhunters grab it and fly off. As they're attacking, the uh, the rest of the Sinestro uh, group takes on and wraps up with the Red Lanterns. And she says, Sora says, it's time for you to leave. Ranks will show you the way. And Ranks has now showed up and looks like he's about to eat them. Uh, we don't really see what happens, but looks like he's he looks like he's eating them. Uh, the Terraformer is now back on Nurkorgar while Sinestro is tinkering with it. She says, this device is too powerful. It could save this planet, but in the wrong hands. And he says, do you disagree with me? She says, and he says, if you do not approve with my proposed action, then so be it. We will find another use for this device. She says, 
you know, we could make it into a weapon, you mean. He says, that would be your decision. In this matter, I offer no further counsel. For all I care, you can melt it into slag. She thinks for a couple of panels and says, no, I don't disagree with you. He activates it. And he says, uh, he, in, uh, Sora commands the uh, Sinestro Corps to protect the new Corridorians and put them on maximum sustainable shielding uh, and brace themselves. And Sinestro says he'll also need to be uh, protected as the weapon slash terraformer does its work. And I'll just read this because it is the last issue. <clears throat> My name is Thal Sinestro. Once I was the greatest lantern of two core. Now, after so long, after oath sworn to both the blackest of days and nights, I am not the man I once was. My power burned too brightly for too long. I am diminished. My people, the Korgarians, have suffered for too long. They have been marked by my own reputation, a reputation I earned while trying to create order across the universe. And now that I have achieved this lofty goal, I find myself with little left to fight for. But I am not afraid. I have done the impossible and saved my people from their inexorable destruction. Before my faith, even before my faith, even inevitably breaks. Sinestro still has lessons to teach. And the terraformer all this time has been sweeping across the planet doing um, terraforming. <laughs> doing has, the Lord's work. <laughs> that's right. Everything <laughs> becomes lush and green, almost like Odom, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> save it maybe maybe you can, let's say walk a bar on the weekend <laughs> uh, which is ironic because there is a lot of blue as all this is happening um, and purple and, too actually or indigo yeah. so a little of the fruits are purple, purplish uh, Sora lowers her shield from around Sinestro and he says I wondered for a moment if you would let me burn during the terraform she says I consider it but I worried that somehow that ego of yours would have fused with the new essence of the planet and we'd have some sort of Sinestro world on our hands and he said, that would be impressive. She says, I guess, though, I couldn't let you die, even though you kind of deserve it. Uh, I guess, though, I couldn't let you die, even though you deserve it. You haven't made up for all the terrible acts you've committed, but just look at what you've accomplished here. He says, what we accomplished. We didn't have to rush into the terraforming, though, she says. We could have taken our time, excavated the Korgarians to ranks while we conducted the operation. That would have been less risky. He says, yes, but these people, they needed to be here to see firsthand what we have done for them. And then she says, there he is, that, pl that plotting, conniving trickster. There's my dad. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sinestro at night is sitting in the grass uh, with, uh, uh, while Lysa stands behind him. She says, everything I've seen, all you've done has been leading to this. He says, and even after what we did today, has the vision changed? And she says, it has not. He says, well then, let's get on with it. Keep an eye on the future. I'll attend to what lies below. <clears throat> And as he descends, we see yellow light and it says, deep within the heart of New Korrigar, Parallax slumbers. Once I controlled the fear entity, bound it to my very soul, but I gave up that control and the power that came with it to save this world. Now, Lysa tells me that fear, true fear, is stirring once more. Its awakening signals the approach of Armageddon, the fall of all I have built. I cannot allow this to happen, not without a fight. If I stop the rise of Doom's Harbinger, do I avert destruction? And if I fail to prevent this omen from passing, do I once again take on the power of ultimate fear as my sword and shield in the battle to come? 
has the time come for me to embrace Parallax once more? And then end question mark. As Parallax rises from the yellow glow. The end. But the question mark. I liked it. I don't think it, I don't think it was as I don't think overall it was as good an issue as like the last few, but I think it was a good ending. It gave you it, it put all the it put the again like going back to the analogy we made a few minutes ago. It kind of puts all the pieces in their proper place for Robert mm-hmm. to be able to use them. Uh, it was kind of. So, I mean, there are some flaw there are some flaws in it, like the artwork. I mean, Atrocitus looks horrible throughout most of the book. Yeah, why is Atrocitus? He hasn't said a word. I know that doesn't that didn't make much sense either. He was kind of a he he was very very sub, subservient in this issue, and he and he's drawn very 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 poorly. Uh, so I don't. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't quite get that. Uh, the, the closest thing you get to dialogue is when he's like. Bleh! Uh, I I do kind of I do kind of think it's interesting, and I'm sure we're gonna get more of an explanation for this in the Green Lanterns book about. And you picked up on this last uh, last issue when they attacked the ship and took the terraformer. How you picked you noticed that they take they took that one survivor, the one who sent the distress signal, and how we yeah. thought he became a Red Lantern. And we agreed, yeah, it looked like he did. And now we know obviously what they're doing is they're able to for they're able to take people and make them Red Lanterns since they made Dez, who they captured at the end of last issue, into a Red Lantern. So I'm probably going to get more of an explanation for that in Green Lanterns, what what exactly and how they're able to do this so so easily. And also how they're not mindless because some way it used to be you, you you became a Red Lantern, you were mindless, and then you had to bathe in the Red Lake. But now it's evidently not like that, which leads me yet again to bring up the whole Bible thing. These things have rules. Can but yet, but yet some, the rules? But yet some of them are still mindless because of the, those are the berserkers. So, um, yeah, hopefully we're gonna get an exp- we're gonna get an explanation for for why. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I'm not quite I'm not quite sure. It, there are some things I liked. I mean, I thought the way it was drawn, I thought Sora looked very much like Sinestro's daughter throughout most of this book. Yeah, especially when uh, they make a point of even referencing it in story when Trevia says she has that smirk. But I even saw it on uh, the page when she's. No, I mean I. I no, I know I, I, I agree with you. Elsewhere, but yeah, but I, I, I'm just saying the, they 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 in story themselves point yes. it out. Yes. And I liked it when she when they're in hiding from like the sandstorm or whatever it is when she's inside, talking to the to the leader of the yeah. Korgorians. That I think a lot of those panels, especially the top, the first full facial panel you get of her in the top right. I think that looks very much like Sinestro. Uh, so, it was good. Uh, it was kind of clever the way, again, and it makes sense to a large, it does make, to a large extent, it makes sense that the Red Lanterns are really not, they shouldn't really be able to outthink the Sinestro Corps. Maybe, you know, again, if Atrocitus and Bleeze and maybe the Rage Mother of, depending how, how you know, how they're thinking, but see, it's really weird. Like you mentioned, it's really weird because Atrocitus just seems almost like mindless in this issue. Oh, he is. So that's what's weird. Well, another thing you mentioned, the you, you how like the Red Lantern shouldn't be able to outsmart them. One thing I know for sure, I felt while reading this, is how abruptly that confrontation ended. 
And I think that's just a fact of the the fact that Cullen suddenly got the word that probably hey you know your your book's going to be ending probably so yeah so I I, I think you know f- for ending suddenly because of reasons other than in story reasons I thought it was actually a pretty this this issue could have been pretty shit because you know he's been building this Red Lanterns thing and it's just been blah 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 you know but. When you end it something like that so suddenly that you've been building so long, it could end up like Green Lantern Fifty Two. I mean, it's not not that Green Lantern Fifty Two was a particularly bad or really horrible issue, but it did kind of end on a. Hmm. All right, well, what's next? <laughs> uh, or it could have even that one could have ended on a God, this sucked. <laughs> so I think that Colin, you know. You know, even though it's not the best issue of Sinestro he's written, I think you still have to take, you know, your perception of it with a grain of salt going, oh, it could have been a whole lot worse. Despite his talents, it could have been a whole lot worse. Oh, but absolutely. He, 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 he figured out a way to work with what he had and slash didn't have and make it work. Yeah, Absolutely. It could, it, you know, for for an issue we, you know, we knew that we kind of knew the setup for this issue was gonna was kind of shaky just because the whole Red Lantern conflict was coming in the next issue. But yet we know the last issue was the last the next issue was the last issue. Yeah. So I I he did it. You know, he did a good job. This this I and I think a lot of people have echoed our sentiments that, they, that this this probably has been the best book. I I think it's been the best. With possible, I mean, you still like New Guardians to, down towards the end, and Red Lanterns when Soul was still on it was really, really good. Mm. But I would say Soul Soul's Red Lanterns run, while I praise it, it wasn't without its faults. No, so, no, I but know. It, but it was it was heads and tails better than Milligan. It was, and in month in and month out, it was really, really good. It was always yeah. in the top half, like top half of the books. Right. Uh, but I think if you look overall at the whole time frame that the Sinestro book existed uh, for all those 23 issues, and I, I don't think that many people would disagree that this has been the most consistent book. <laughs> this has been the best book overall during those basically right. two years. So I mean, and it's going to be missed, I, and it's going it's de- yeah. and it's def- it's absolutely going going to be missed. Yeah, the times during especially Godhead did not enjoy the book. Uh, I mean, and it, it wasn't necessarily because of what was happening in the story. It was just. If you're gonna, if you were to take Sinestro one through twenty-three by themselves and read them at a clip, it's it's a great story. But the the, the problem is, I mean, and obviously this isn't Cullen's fault, but Godhead really breaks it up. Like there's no there's no like explanation page. There's like it just it just completely changes location and what the hell's going on in the story midway through it and you're just like wait what what and then you're right back on track now obviously that's the way crossovers work and and especially in big events that's just how it happens but at the same time like i just really feel like the the sinestro issues of the crossover while probably the better issues of the crossover made them the weaker issues of sinestro no i i i can understand been a while since I thought thought about Godhead, really. Uh, but yeah, but 
and as we've talked to, and I think we mentioned before, the reality is Godhead was a much better story than I ever imagined it was going to be, but it still was a month too long. Yeah. Uh, especially when it, it would have been different if it had been paced differently. If they had decided to have the entire first, maybe the entire first month's worth of issues, including the one shot or whatever, be the gathering of the rings, then maybe you could get away with three months' worth of stories. The fact that they pretty much got all the rings almost right right off the bat, that kind of right. made an extra month. They only needed two months. You just needed a month to try to deal with them and stop them after they got he, so it was still good. There were some good moments in it, but it was it was it was too long. They were, right. it, it was too long. Uh, so, but yeah, and I could definitely see how that would affect how it, and how it did affect the Sinestro Corps book because I mean the Sinestro book, but still, I don't know. It's um, another thing, especially in this issue, and I'm kind of surprised. I mean, they they really put it on the nose for us readers, but they put it on the nose so much that I'm surprised. Uh, Sora didn't react to it when she's talking to the leader and she's talking like you know I'm always going to be here to protect them and I should have protected them more and you know all of this that's very very why Sinestro was kicked out of the Green Lantern Corps in the first place true so so I'm surprised Sora didn't like maybe not while she was saying it but after that leader said what she said that we see that look in her eyes, so maybe she did recognize it, but the, that look in her eyes could really be interpreted to mean anything. I'm surprised she's – like there's no internal monologue bubble. I mean there's got I – feel, I, I feel like she, of all people, would have reacted to it a little bit more because while she hates Sinestro or whatever you want to call it, she's also a Green Lantern who protects the sector that Korgar was on. So she knows – I mean even though she didn't really grow up with her father – she knows his reputation, both as a Green Lantern and as a Korgarian. So I'm surprised that she didn't pick up on the fact that, or, or it wasn't at least mentioned that she, her, by her herself, that she was picking on the fact that she was acting like her father did. Yeah, I would have, I would have yeah. liked to see that a little more. And maybe, maybe Cullen was going there with it, and he just, you know, he had to sacrifice some things for time. That's what <clears> happens in this kind of a situation. So. It's possible, but at the same time, I was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> we could have said something, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to go for that uh, not-so-subtle father and daughter comparison. Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty great issue. Do you have anything else you want to say about it? I mean, I, I don't want to feel like we've, we've shortchanged it or anything, so. It's... I I I just feel sad that this book is done. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I'm really hoping that with the promises of rebirth that uh you know, we have more positive titles to look forward to and uh really good storytelling and, you know, a, a lighter, happier continuity, rich and I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um version of the DCU that, you know, the loss of a book like Sinestro will be less felt by us, but it doesn't change the fact that even even if every book out of the New Fifty Two or out of a re, out of Rebirth is a astounding rising success, we're still gonna miss things like Sinestro. This 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 book pretty much in a way was, I think it was a little unexpected. I think it was the, the way this book worked. 
I think was a lot better than I think a lot of people imagined. Not yeah. just because, and I mentioned this too. I mean, I was I was wrong. I I really didn't think anybody could write. I didn't think it was very likely anyway that we could find somebody who would be able to write Sinestro and get Sinestro the way Jeff Johns got Sinestro. Whether you yeah. whether you liked his version or not, the point is from his point he you know and from his point of view anyway he got he knew the character because as we'll talk about one day when we do the Jeff Johns retrospective that. You can make a strong case that the whole during the entire Green Lantern run, it was just as much about Sinestro on some levels as it was about Hal. Yeah. That the so I was so I was really I was a little I was you know skeptical about that too. But and plus the fact that it just seemed a little too quick to bring Sinestro back when the whole point of the you know at the end of the John's epilogue was he was fading going away and you weren't gonna. You know, you were never going to hear from him again, which we know it's comics. Of course you knew you'd hear from him again, but you would think it was going to be a, a bigger chunk of time that he'd be off the table. So bringing him back and giving him a realistic reason, and I it, I think it, I think it all worked very well. And the idea of establishing the, the Sinestro Corps as the ultimate force in the universe makes sense. And going back, tying this into Lost Army, uh, because it's one of the things that, is bothering me now, and I think I'm in anticipation of it bothering me next month for Edge of Oblivion is, besides the fact we're probably not going to see Krona, we're probably not going to see Relic, I don't think we're going to get any real explanation for why they're in that universe and who brought them there. Maybe they're going to try to do that's some... That's true. Ha- I actually kind of completely... I know, and that's that why mystery. it just hit me when I'm, t- when I'm thinking about the Sinestro Corps and coming to power, and I was thinking about how Sinestro, through Lysa, knew what was knew what was about to happen, which is how he was able to save Sora before she got sucked out. Uh, but unless they're going to tie it into the Blackest Nights, which would suck, realistically, we're not going to even get an explanation, at least at the end of Edge of Oblivion, of, of who took them out of our universe, and that's that's just as important. Probably the most important thing, because who can do that? And their motivations might even be secondary to who has the power to do that. You would, and, and we damn well better get an explanation for that in Green, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Because that's going to be a major screw-up if we don't get any kind of explanation. It's like, oh yeah. They're you think it's gonna, you, Do you think it's going to be tied into Convergence, maybe? No, I don't. I don't. I, I know. I, I know. Probably now, especially now that it's been like a year since Convergence, and that thing's kind of that, that's or just about a year, and that ship has sailed. I think as far as obviously Convergence has moved on into Rebirth, and I like. And there were a lot of there were a lot of there was a lot of potential with Convergence. They just didn't do much with it. Uh, maybe well, one, one could argue. One could argue they are now, just because of the whole premise of uh, Convergence was kind of like a love letter to the. Yeah, DC yeah, to D- and maybe to DC's and, past. And maybe who knows, depending how long, you know, the before the pot began to simmer, how long the ingredients were kind of first coming together for the idea of rebirth, we don't know. Maybe yeah. con- maybe convergence was yes, maybe convergence was just like the appetizer getting you set getting you set for that. But yeah. but I I don't think they're going to we talked cuz we talked about this and people were speculating about this even when this the Lost Ar- when Lost Army started, is it going to be related to convergence is that why? Nah, I I I doubt it. Uh, but either way, we still need it. We need to know who pulled them out of the universe. I I think we're gonna clearly we're gonna find out what the hell is going on with the Guardians because we've seen pictures of the Guardians showing up, the Templar Guardians. Uh, so we're well, gonna, we're gonna see we're gonna see Guardians. I don't know if we'll know what happened to them. 
Well, I think um, they'll just show up on the scene as if nothing happened. Uh, I maybe I'm maybe I'm really naive. I think you're gonna have to deal with like where where they've where they've been, uh, of uh, and what's been going on. Uh, I think there's gonna have to be some kind of reconciliation of, you know, the Hal's been the only basically green energy in the entire universe all this time. Or if the Guardians were still around, where where were they? Why were they keeping a low profile? And I. You know, so there's got to there's got to be some expl- explanation. We have to get one, and, but I, I don't mean necessarily we'll get one. All these answers we'll get in like the first issue or the or the uh, one shot, but we have to we're gonna have to get something because because if they leave too many of these things dangling, it's it's they've done way too much of that. Yeah. Uh, and Green Lantern has really I think Green Lantern has really really been suffering for it. So. This book will be greatly missed, I would have to say, in all honesty. Of all the new 52 Green Lantern titles, certainly since the, the Johns era ended, this is the book I'm going to miss the most. Yeah. Uh, even if you factor in the Johns part of the book, of the era of the new 52, then maybe Green Lantern, at least for the first half, first 20 issues, I would miss as much as Sinestro, but... There isn't any other title that they've had that that I'm that I'm going to miss as much as, and that doesn't mean there weren't good arcs. There were things in New Guardians that I liked before before Justin had the book, after Justin had the book. Obviously, Red Lanterns was a big success after the uh, after the post Johns era, and Green Lantern Corps we know we liked under Van Jensen too. So, so that, I mean they're, they're, they all had their they all had their moments and they all had had good runs. So, but Sinestro to me maybe because it was the in a way it was the hardest sell of all it seemed. Maybe from the original concept. Um, all right, guys. Uh, Green Lantern has now ended. The New 52 era is over. Okay. So, uh, uh, Venditti has been on the title since 21 through now 52. He will obviously be continuing into Rebirth. However, we know how these things work. Volumes are defined by large numbers, uh, uh, numberings and, and relaunches and stuff like that. So, with Green Lantern ending at 52, right before Rebirth, and Sinestro ending at 23, these are volumes of books now that we can talk about. So, give us your thoughts. Shoot us in an email, voicemail. Uh, we'll obviously later on in the show give you that information, but uh, for, for those right now, 708Lantern. Lanterncast at gmail.com. This is an era of Green Lantern now. So, now that it's officially had a start with 21 for uh, Venditti on Green Lantern and its end with 52 for Green Lantern, as well as the entirety of the Sinestro run for Cullen Bunn, we can talk about these things as chunks, as looking back on them. So, if you have thoughts, not just on the closing issues of these runs of Green Lantern related titles, Please send us in your thoughts. We would love to hear for, uh, from you guys about it. Especially in, I'm not saying that everybody else shouldn't send us anything. We're just interested in this one person. I'm just throwing it out as an example. Corwin. <laughs> Tor- Corwin. When you get to this episode, you slow mother effer. When you get to this episode, send us your thoughts, man. I don't care if you send us a five-page document. Let us know what you thought of Sinestro as a whole. What you thought of the last few issues? I don't care, man. I want to hear from you. You're like the biggest Sinestro advocate we know. So let's do it, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> send us in some content. We want to hear from you. And that goes double for everybody else, too. Like, you, 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 you can relatively be excused for not commenting issue by issue. But now you've got an era to comment on that is just wrapped up. So send us that information, what you thought about it. And people, you've been slacking off on voicemails and, and uh, emails. So <laughs> let, 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 let's snap to it here, shall we, people? A little sense <laughs> of urgency. As, as you heard on episode 250, <laughs> we gave you like weeks of a head start to comment on one of the big moments in Green Lantern history, and we got like two or three emails. <laughs> and they came in early. Yeah. Come on, guys. Let us know what you think. All right. So we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be closing out and got a couple of kind of house cleaning things to talk about real quick. So we'll see you on the other side. secret governmental organization operating behind the scenes. Task Force X. Task Force X is an off-the-books government strike team made up of convicts with no hope for release, serving as expendable agents for impossible missions. Succeed, and I'll shave time off your sentences. If we don't. You'll be dead. Any other stupid questions? The Suicide Squad, ran by Amanda Waller. I'm Amanda Waller. I'm here to indoctrinate you convicts into our special forces. And there's Checkmate, ran by Harry Stein. This is the tales of DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and Checkmate. Mostly monthly from Headspeaks. Available on iTunes under Task Force X and under Headcasts over at headspeaks.com. We can also be found on Facebook and Google Plus under Task Force X. Task Force X. Check it out. Or you'll answer to the wall. Nobody screws the wall! I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am back. You need to take the trash out. Hey, I'm trying to make a trailer for our podcast. Oh, you mean Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Why, yes, that is what I mean. The show where you and I discuss all things geeky. Comics, TV, movies, books, you name it. Well, are you going to tell them that you can find the show at www.supermatescomic.blogspot.com? Well, I think you kind of already did. And that new shows will be posted bi-weekly, every two weeks? I was, but you just kind of did that too. Well, see, now you can go take out the trash. Great. So join us, Cindy. And Chris. Franklin. For the Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast at supermatescomic.blogspot.com. All right, guys. We're back from break. Mark, man, it's yours. <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, the first thing we're going to talk about, uh, actually the first thing, which is not what I was about to say, but it's, it would be the most logical thing to do chronologically since it's, it refers to a previous episode. 
so that we did not 250 but the one before that civil war uh i won't i won't ramble on long but we we talked about we did talk about how in my opinion anyway how they built that relationship between tony and steve really well in this in civil war despite the fact that the whole idea was them breaking up <laughs> but they kind of did a good job at showing how they're friends and we and how they know each other and i used the i used the one example of like you know tony uh, telling spider-man like go for his legs and and you know based on analyzing steve's fighting style yeah. but there were a couple of subtle not a couple of other subtle things in the movie also with like with uh when tony first arrives at the headquarters to listen to ross and he isn't and Scarlet, uh, Black Widow picks up on the fact that he doesn't say anything, and Steve's real quick to pick up on the fact that he's not saying anything because he already made up his mind, showing that he knows the way Tony acts and the way he thinks. Just like when, just like after the uh, uh, Black Panther, Bucky, and Cap get arrested, and oh yeah, in that moment, by the way, because I, I, I think our even Tony he says he says it sarcastically, but he says, "Oh, you know me so well." Yeah, he does. He does say that. <laughs> But when Steve gets arrested and, and Tony's trying to talk him into signing the accords one last time, and when Cap goes about, you know, I, you know, I, if I see something where you know I feel I need to get involved, I can't walk away, even though I, I sometimes I wish I could. And then he just goes, Steve just looks at Tony, and Tony goes, No, you don't. And then Cap waits for a second and goes, You're right, I don't, because because Tony knows who Steve is, and Steve knows who Steve is. So I thought those are interesting little things, but the but the one point. But the, that, those are just add-ons. But the one point we didn't discuss, which really hit me when I watched it, like the day after we recorded that episode, was, and depending on one's point of view, it's either ironic, it's either hypocritical, or it just shows growth in Tony. Maybe it's a combination thereof. But the whole point of how when the Avengers first form, it's Tony who doesn't really seem to care about them. It's Tony who doesn't really want to. He doesn't. Being a team player really isn't important to Tony. And but at the end of the day, we find out, and Steve refers to it at the end of the movie, but we've seen evidence of it, and that kind of was throughout the movie, and it kind of makes the ending sad. You feel kind of sad for Tony, that Steve kind of acknowledges at the end that the Avengers might be more his family than than even mine, your family more than mine, and Steve makes it clear that he's also able to go basically if he needs to go on his own to do what he thinks is right, he's okay with that. But what you find out by the end of the movie is that Tony actually needs the Avengers a lot more than Steve does. Yeah. That's pretty much all the family Tony has at this point. You can add in the breakup with Pepper, you know, ma- making that even more important since, in a way, the Avengers helped lead to him breaking up, you know, with Pepper seemingly. Yeah. So I thought that point was interesting. That so when Steve's getting when uh, Tony's yelling at Steve like on the airfield like one last time like we have to you know we don't stop we have to stop this now I'm doing everything I can to try to prevent the you know the Avengers from like being split apart and that one of the reasons why he's so you know vehement about that is because it becomes crystal clear at by the end of the movie when that Tony that the Avengers mean much more to Tony that he needs them much more than Cap which makes a makes it sadder at the end and kind of makes it a self-fulfilling prophecy once again that in his effort to keep the Avengers together he basically broke them up um, so that That's was true now to, to, to your point about the beginning of the Avengers I don't know I mean he, like he wasn't really interested or whatever but he, he kind of was because he uh, when when um, oh it's Iron Man 2 I think uh, okay well no the, the end credits for Incredible Hulk, he uh, talks to uh, 
Ross. Thunderbolt. Yeah. Yeah. He's about getting a team together. Um, then in Iron Man 2, he says something to the effect of, I thought I wasn't, you know, a part of your little thing, at, you know, boys club or whatever, or something like that, especially at the end of it. Uh, he's talking about it. And then just being a consultant at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he seems, I don't know. I don't, cause it's kind of hard to tell if he's sarcastic just because that's who Tony is or he's butthurt it's or both. he's, or he's curious. Like he's just, cause he's got a natural curiosity for stuff. I think it's, I think it's the first two. I think it's a, it's him being sarcastic cause he's always sarcastic. And yes, I think he, he, he's more interested. He's, well, maybe it's all three then. Slightly. Cause he keeps, he keeps bringing it up. Yeah. He, I think he's definitely unhappy. I think even though he won't admit it, that he's that, he assumed he was going to be in on this, and now he's being excluded from it. And that, and the fact that he was being excluded might make it more important and make it more interesting to him. So I think it may be a little bit of um, it may be a little bit of all three. But even in the first Avengers movie, you know, he's the one who really doesn't, you know, because he's not used to working as a team. He's also not used to the idea of losing a soldier, as Steve points out to him after Coulson dies. That Steve is the more natural-born leader. Steve is much better working as a team. Uh, he, Working in a team as a leader to begin with, or even if he wasn't the leader, Steve would still be better as working as a team. But Steve doesn't need to work as a team. Steve is, in a way, you know, Steve is. Steve seems more comfortable deep down. Deep down, again, psychoanalyzing them. Steve is a lot more comfortable in his own skin than Tony is. Tony has a lot more, a lot more issues. So I think it's just ironic that at the end of Civil War, it becomes clear that. And, and Steve is kind of doing it in a subtle level when he's writing that letter saying, you know, the, you know, the Avengers are probably even more your family than mine. Again, that's, I think it's showing that he knows Tony and he, and he knows why Tony was fighting so hard. And do, again, trying to do what he thought was right to keep the Avengers together. But, but I think he understood Tony. It, well, would you, would you say that's the only reason Tony fought so hard? Or do you think he really truly believes in the Accords? I don't... Well, we talked about... We talked about he believes in the he believes there should be checks and balances. Again, a lot of those reasons are because he thinks he needs to have checks and balances. I think. Well, because you, you mentioned the fact that he says I'm trying to do everything I can to keep us together. If he was trying to do everything he can to keep us together, maybe he's doing he's signed the accords not because he believes in them, but because he sees the writing on the wall and this is what the government and slash public of the world want. Well, yeah, he's trying to be ahead of the curve and trying, like you said, if we do it now, we get on board now, then we can work behind the scenes and get have more control, maybe rewrite some things. But then you also see the other side of it. But he sees the other side of it by the end because when they, excuse me, when they go to the raft, because he's not expecting to, when he's he's not really expecting to find, when he's going to see the event, you know, Tony's, uh, excuse me, Steve's team, he's not expecting them to be kept necessarily certainly in the conditions that they're being kept in even if not you know maybe not even there but you're yeah. certainly not expecting to be so i think that kind of shows tony the other side of where this thing can go too when the gut when the government can decide what you can do and what you can't when the gut when the governments of the world can decide so but i i, I mean i think he legitimately was trying to like Black Widow kind of says it too. It's like what it, 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 the only thing that really matters if we is if we stay together that, that we stay together and that, so I think, but she was able to, I think she was able to balance out both sides a little better than Tony was at the end of the day. 
But I think Tony was trying to do the... He wasn't necessarily doing it for pure selfish reasons, trying to keep the team together. But I think as the movie plays out, I think you realize that he does... A lot of what... Pretty much almost everything Tony does deep down is for personal reasons. Uh, uh, so I think you realize that the Avengers were, were more important to him than just, oh, a concept. That, that he need he needs the Avengers. Like, like you said to Steve, that... Part of the reason he broke up with Pepper was because he didn't that he didn't give up doing what he was doing because he didn't want to give it up. So he enjoys being in the Avengers. He enjoys that aspect of it. So, but that was just one thought. One one thought that we that I know we didn't discuss at all that yeah. that popped into my head about that. So, um, so if anybody has thoughts on that, feel free. If we'd like to get some comments on Civil War, you would think almost all of you have seen it or will. <laughs> Well, we did get one Twitter response. Some, well, some guy true. who's been listening to us for a while has been uh, who had finally followed and tweeted us because uh, he really liked that episode. Cool. And the the other thing I was going to say first thing first as a topic was uh, we wanted to talk for a few minutes about the big shakeup or the shakeups actually is more than one, but the big announcement of, about uh, our buddy Jeff Johns there climb, continuing to climb up the ladder when it comes to his role in. Uh, the D, the DC cinematic universe that essentially he's going seemingly he's going to be from a creative point of view because there's two people that have been kind of like almost put in the Kevin Feige role but I think Jeff Johns is essentially going to be more of the creative side I think related more of the uh, related to the focusing of like a coming up with a theme you know a binding making it you making it a more Ha- a much happier place with kind of like a, a cohesive game plan. And I think that's kind of, which probably also explains why he's not writing any books. <laughs> I mean, like in, he's not assigned to any books, which is something I think we talked about for Rebirth to begin with. And I don't mean co-writing like the first issue, the one shot of Green Lanterns, uh, but that he's not. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people uh, are, were confused. Uh, some, some, most of them on Twitter uh, when I was posting about something related to Rebirth, and someone was like, "Wait, I thought Jeff was writing it." Like, because <laughs> I saw a lot of Green Lantern-related tweets, not necessarily to us, but just kind of using the Green Lantern hashtag, saying stuff like, "I'm just like they tagged Jeff Johns and like, I'm so happy you're back on Green Lantern. You know, I'll start reading the book again." And I, you know, I, I chime in when I can on Green Lantern-related tweets that I think are worth it. So I was like, "Oh, he's just co-writing the first issue," and this. Well, I remember one person in particular was just really like, no, damn, damn, <laughs> damn near heartbroken. <laughs> it, yeah, it tr- trust us. If, if and when he ever he ever makes a return, a triumphant return to uh, Green Lantern, you, you, you're going to know about it. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be out there all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what did you think when you heard the Jeff Johns news? Um, I mean, I, I liked it. Uh, I just, I think I, I keep worrying about Jeff spreading himself too thin and his work suffering as a result. So, I mean, right. obviously he's no longer writing titles though. So I, at least for now. So, but I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, I, I don't think Jeff is the kind of person who, who can't be writing a comic. Or can't not be writing a comic, like he 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 belongs on a, a book, something. And it's not like he he doesn't have the opportunity for creativity and creating in his new position. 
and obviously it would be to a, a wider scale. Like it'd be a lot more people uh, being able to see stuff that he helped create. Um, you know, like we're talking just today, as a matter of fact, we got the confirmation from Jeff himself that he's working with Ben Affleck on Batman. Um, <clears throat> Even though that had been rumored for a long time. Yes, but we got confirmation yes. from him. Um, so, I mean, it just, I don't know. It'd be weird. It's, it, it's weird not to see him on a title. Uh, I, I think he, I, I, yeah, he may not be on one right now, but I think it's coming. He will be on a title. Um, I'm thinking, I mean, I said it before when we were start talking, when we were talking rebirth with, uh, Dan and Jim, I, I think it's either Legion or JSA unless something else really off, off the wall. Cool. Comes up, uh, up that, you know, before they announce creative teams, they announce a concept and it's, it's a concept that we go, Oh, that's going to be Jeff. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, like, come on guys. He, he took on vibe. Remember? <laughs> so, um, and look where vibe is now. Um, so there's that, but I just, I don't, I don't know when I heard it, I have mixed. Re- I, th- I think Green Lantern, the movie, ruined me for Jeff Johns in 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 major film. Now, I think the issues with Green Lantern, while I intellectually know they're Warner related, they're studio related, they're um, you know the people who kept jabbing at the script and related. Jeff John's name was on it. Like, remember when, when it was announced that he was helping them make that movie and we were just all so excited? Like, Jeff, not only are they making a Green Lantern movie, Jeff is involved. <laughs> like, yes, it's going to be so good because we have somebody on our side fighting for us. And it ended up the way it was. And it was just like, oh, God. Now... But maybe maybe this is a, I'm I'm saying I know all these things intellectually, but it doesn't it doesn't in my heart of hearts I guess it doesn't matter because I just I don't know I I, I basically have yet to see Jeff prove himself to me in this field. Now for those of you who aren't aware of Jeff's history, Jeff actually worked with Richard Donner on Superman, right? Yes, I believe so. Yes, so. Uh, I can't. Yeah, when he was a kid. So, yeah, guys, he's he's got history under some of the best film stuff ever done. But at the same time, I don't know. He himself, of in and of himself, has yet to prove himself to me. Now, maybe that's because he wasn't yet in a role like he is now, and now he has, like we were talking about with, with Venditti. Now he's got carte blanche. You know, even more power, even more control. Maybe now is the time he can finally shine because every other time he's been held back and, you know, at the, the mercy and whim of the studio. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to, I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm excited about the possibility, but I am skeptical. I think, yeah, I'm not as skeptical. I think, I think a lot of, and maybe, well, I guess we'll know, if it was needless or not, or unfair, I think a lot of the a lot of the criticism fell on. Let's push aside Ryan Reynolds for a moment. A lot of the you know the, from a scripting and a directional point of view, as far as where the movie was going to go, I think Johns did take a lot of heat from 
because of Green Lantern. But don't forget, Berlanti and a lot of other people who have kind of like redeemed themselves in in this in the uh, WB and the, by, the, the TV and by put and, and by pushing out the original script uh, for the movie. Yes, the original. But again, I do think. But again, sometimes. But you don't. See, like you said, you don't know behind the scenes. You don't know how much of the re, of the revising of the script to try to make it more all-encompassing of the stuff Jeff Johns was doing in you know in the since since Rebirth. You don't know if that was all because Jeff wanted it or because WB wanted it because they knew how successful D, uh, Green Lantern was as a comic book and they said, oh yeah, we want that. But that but they already had they already had it. In a script, and it's like, well, let's kind of like tweak it and replace here with that. So maybe it's just too many cooks ruining the broth. Maybe it's the fact that it's, you know, and and you've heard this more after the fact that again, maybe it's revisionist history, but maybe it's not that Martin Campbell, the director, just didn't really get the material, and he just didn't have a feel for it. So maybe that was that was part of it too. But I think at least Johns and Berlanti and other, you know, they've kind of gone on to the stuff on TV with the Flash and other things, and they've kind of, so they've kind of proven that they're not, they're not beyond being able to take material that they know and come up with good ver- and come up with good versions of it. And like you said, he he's definitely has more control now, and he definitely has more influence. He it doesn't appear he's going to be writing actually like writing out and out scripts with of course the exception of the Batman Ben Affleck thing which of course depending depending on which version you hear what what did he actually say did he say he he said he's working on it was that the quote uh, it, I don't remember because I read the actual article because part of the because there were rumors like even like a month or so ago that the that the script was actually already done between that the two of them had worked on but either way there's no real there's nothing out there circulating right now that he's going to be doing massive He's going to be pumping out like script after script after script for all all these, but he's going to have a role in probably steering the direction, having an idea for maybe for concepts and for villains to use and to try to build a cohesive universe. And I think he probably he probably would be good at that. I think what's also crystal clear with this for the for the people that kept trying to spin things left and right that clearly this is all. Some maybe some of this was maybe there was a chance some of this was going to happen behind the scenes. Regardless, maybe it's not all 100% out of the blue because of Batman versus Superman. But you know, so much has been going on in their cinematic universe after BVS came out that the critical and the fan reaction to BVS has absolutely shaken WB, and they and they and they want to change direction. I mean, you had Snyder having to come out and make make it clear that oh, Justice League One is going to have a lighter tone, and of course they spin it. Well, it was always supposed to. Maybe it was, but nothing in your first two forays into the DC universe is going to make us think that. Uh, the fact that the now now they're getting a new director f- for the Flash. There's still rumors that they're going to lose the director for Aquaman. All the reshoots for Suicide Squad, which of course first first. Depending what you hear, they they reshot a whole lot of the movie. I mean, tons of reshoots. Some say it was only a little bit. In the article today from uh, the director of Shazam saying we're not going to fuck this up. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, so they they're definitely they're definitely re you know they they're re focusing their efforts and they're coming up with a, with a new direction. Uh, you can take you know I don't think anybody on the planet bought when you heard there were you know there were reshirts being ordered this late in the game for 
Suicide Squad. That oh, they it's just that the studio just loves. It's great when the studio loves what you know what you have and want more of it. I don't think anybody bought that shit. I mean, there's some spin you shouldn't even open your mouth about because it it just sounds stupid and no one and no one's going to believe you. No, it sounds like spin. Yes, that's true. It sounds like spin, and and it just it's completely it's completely unbelievable. It's like and again, this isn't being partisan this is being objective it's like when hillary comes out and says oh i'm not under investigation by the fbi yeah you're under investigation by the fbi and everybody knows it so when you come out and say that you're not or they're looking into when you try to spin it in in, in parse words you make yourself look stupid and it makes yourself look untrustworthy so i think that didn't so if suicide squad is better now and i and i don't I don't give any weight at all to what supposedly the preview audiences have said because there were preview audiences that said Batman versus Superman were really good. Hmm. It all depends what your target audience is and who you bring in, too. So it, it, it I, so I don't think that means anything. So if Suicide Squad is better now, then it probably was better because of the because of the reshoots. But but they're also but WB is also not too bright because they shouldn't be announcing like oh the Harley spinoff and all these things until this movie comes out. Yeah, they should because we we've been down that road with Green Lantern too. You know that that the script was going to be greenlit and stuff like that. Then the movie comes out and, and boom. And yeah, Marvel did it once. I think Marvel. The only time I think Marvel really did it was with Guardians. I'm pretty sure they announced Guardians two before the original re- release because they knew what they had. They knew by critic. I think they knew what the critical reviews were before they had come out, and I think they already knew what all the test audiences has said. So they knew they had a hit on their hands. So they felt confident in doing that. But again, it's Marvel and not. To shoot on, you know, to take a dump on DC, but Marvel's got a track record where, they, you know, if, there's, if everything indicates this movie's going to be a hit and all your other movies have been a hit, then that gives you reason to move forward and do a, and plan plan a sequel. If you're WB at this point, I mean, Suicide Squad's always been a shaky sell, and even if it does well, it doesn't, you know, I don't know, but, but I don't want to go off too much on that tangent, but the but the point is that DC, you know, WB is definitely regearing and changing. You know, they're ta- they're you know they're hoisting the sails and they're tacking in a different direction. And no matter what, you know, people how no matter how they how to, how they try and want to spin it, it's clearly because of Batman versus Superman and the fact that it didn't work, and people don't think that it worked. So it's kind of interesting that Snyder, that Snyder, who was you know supposedly being the architect of building this universe, kind of has been you know kind of symbolically castrated on some on some levels here uh, but that's all, that also doesn't help you know that also teaches you a valuable lesson that when you don't know how things are going to when you don't have any track record of things working maybe you shouldn't be so quick to move things ahead so your so your next movie or your sequel to this movie is filming at the same right like 2 weeks after the movie premieres in case people don't like it <laughs> doesn't give you a lot of time to do any to do massive rewrites and if they go with friggin Steppenwolf as their Somehow I don't see going with Steppenwolf as the villain if that turns out to be true before Darkseid. I don't necessarily think that's going to be a move in the right direction because <laughs> most people don't even know who Steppenwolf is. Even more, even more than you know, at least Darkseid is a name most people know. Steppenwolf is even more obscure. Yeah, I, to be honest, I've been reading comics for the past seven, eight years. I didn't know who Steppenwolf was until he showed up in the pages of Earth Two. Yeah, so it, it's I. Uh, I think. We mentioned this before. I think we mentioned it somewhere before, and I know I talked about it on Facebook. DC, but the opportunity that they had, and technically they still would have it, because obviously Marvel's planned out through the end of Phase Three and the beginning of Phase Four. DC could still do this if they wanted to. The one thing they, that Marvel hasn't given us 
and and the X-Men had, but, you know, it's the X-Men universe. DC could have given us the Justice League versus uh, the Legion of Doom kind of thing. They could have been building towards that, where you, where instead of having this one all-encompassing villain, which, of course, is cool, but by proxy makes the heroes look weaker all the time, the individual heroes look weaker because you need, like, five of them to beat one guy, you could have built up, you know, the whole counterpart thing. You could have had either Luther and the Armor, or Bizarro, or Brainiac, or you could have had Reverse, yeah, yeah, Flash yeah. or Zoom, and... And I've, I've said I've said it before. Like instead of in the Avengers, it was Nick Fury going, "We're getting a team together." At the end of a Superman movie, it could have been Lex Luthor going, "We're getting a team together." Yeah, or 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 how, I mean, how cool would it have been? It could have been even after the bat would have to have been if they kept the movie structured the same way. After Batman came to to see Lex in jail, that shortly after that, let's say Black Adam were to come and break him out of jail. And it, and, it, and it, Lex, I, I mean, I was thinking about this. It could be like the cell just gets ripped open. Lex Luthor could be sitting there with his back towards the, the cell door. His eyes could be closed, and he just slowly opens his eyes. He doesn't even turn. He doesn't even look at Black Adam. He goes, you know, I, I was told you were going to come, or or whatever, something along those lines. And then the camera just switches, and you realize that it's Black Adam who's freeing him. They could have just done, but something like that would be cool, and that would lead, and then. You know, you'd have Sinestro against Green Lantern and all these different. So you'd have the counterparts. That would be cool. And DC could have gone in that direction, but seeming, but they're not going to do it seemingly for the first two Justice League movies. And so I think that would have been a way to set themselves apart from Marvel and to give people something different. But we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully Jeff will steer them in a better direction. And obviously, Wonder Woman's pretty much going to be its own animal since that movie's done pretty much. Unless they do a little bit of tweaking to tie it in, like extra scenes or whatever, that movie's pretty much done, I think. So there's not much they can do for. Re- but I don't think they were really worried about Wonder Woman. They probably they clearly were worried about Justice League, which was, of course, is a a big uh, rebu- uh, rebuking of uh, Snyder and the direction he was taking, you know, the entire franchise. Uh, and they're concerned about some of the other the the spinoff movies or the other Justice League movies, which might. I can understand why they'd be concerned with the Flash, you know, depending on what version you read. That they, that the studio wanted a better, wanted a more experienced director for this project, and maybe because maybe that's also because they've been a little more pressure on the Flash than Aquaman, because the Flash has proven to be successful on TV, and they hmm. know that that character is very popular. Grant Gustin's very popular as that, so they're taking a they're taking an actor which people are not sold on at all, regardless of whether they clean him up or not. People are not sold with this, this actor being Barry Allen to begin with, and so maybe they figured they needed they needed a a more experienced director for that reason, or just the fact that they just couldn't afford they can't afford any more stumbles. So, but well, but yeah, that's I want I did want to bring that up because that's been relative that's relatively recent news that people you know people have been talking about. So, all right, anything else? No, I think. I think we're good right now. All right. Let's go ahead and close it out, man. Where can people find us? Email lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. It does exist. We have gotten emails. It has been known to happen before. <laughs> so we want it to happen again, people. Come on. Uh, at least if you have, at least give us some uh, f- final night thoughts about the episode if you didn't want to give it to us about the storyline ahead of time. <laughs> We got Ryan on. Come on. Uh, you can 
visit our website, lanterncast.com. Our latest episode posts are there. Our old episode posts are now all pretty much up, so you can access them and play them directly from the from the site. We have our Dark Star reviews, uh, Ring Cyclopedia episodes. There'll be a new one coming there soon. And, of course, we have our blog posts when news breaks and things like that, especially if we're not going to be able to record an episode quickly to, and get it out to, to deal with it. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. We're on iTunes and Stitcher, so whichever platform or that you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, as Chad mentioned earlier, 708 Lantern is the voicemail. 708 Lantern. And let us know what you think. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye, everybody. Good night.